The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope you're going to enjoy the show. I've got some great guests lined up. One is an Eclipse Award winning jockey, and that is Frank Lovato Jr., uh, his life uh, kind of took him uh, some strange ways in that an injury uh, forced him into taking some time and thinking about the creation of the Equisizer, something that you'll see in just about every jock's room today and certainly at Chris McCarron's riding school. And uh, Frank is putting together a summer camp, so it's going to be interesting uh, to talk to him and learn about jockeyworld.org. And then our handicapper around Cincinnati, the name Cronin's pretty well known, but it's usually uh, because of... Uh, Mick Cronin, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats. Well, this is his brother, Kentucky Dan, Keeneland Dan, I believe they call him, and he's going to be our, our handicapper. Guys had a lot of success. Um, oddly enough, I see the uh, the Winning Ponies uh, hotline is uh, is buzzing. Let's uh, D, our producer, D, can you can you hook me up with who's on the hotline? Oh, hey, John, is, is that the voice of Brian Hernandez Jr.? Yes, it is. How are you? Uh-huh. Oh, I'm 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 not as good as you. I can tell you that, Brian. I tell you what, uh, you you certainly made believers out of a lot of people. Again, we're talking to uh, another Eclipse Award winning jockey. Yeah, we're going to have two on the show today. Uh, Brian Hernandez Jr., who is uh, coming off a win and a half a million dollar Stephen Foster handicap. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the the the, ch- the chart of the race yet, Brian. Have you uh, bothered to check that? Yeah, I, I read it the night after. Well, the night after we were home, uh, we read the chart. And, uh, it was pretty interesting to see employable and everything else that the chart caller wrote about the way Fort Lauren came through the lane. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of running lines like, you know, drew off, uh, finished strong. But the word that the racing forum used in their chart was finished gallantly. Tell us about your ride on Fort Lauren. And first, let me describe it to our audience. It's a mile and an eighth. In the field were two horses that had defeated Fort Larned before and successful Dan and Ron the Greek. And quite frankly, I think you went off about the third favorite. Uh, the gates opened, and I mean, he just he took off like a bull. What did it feel like having that power underneath you? Yeah, he, he left there good and meaning and talked about it, and we decided that if we, uh, we wanted to show the Fort Lauren of last year that we should just go ahead and let him let him open up and let him uh, take it to him. So that's what we decided. He left there really cleanly and and going under the wire the first time. I was really happy where we were and the whole way around the racetrack. I just couldn't believe how much horse I had under me because he he kind of tipped his hat in the mornings a few times on on how good he was how good he was going to run. But I didn't. I don't know if anyone ever expected him to do what he did on Saturday night. 
Well, certainly it was great redemption. Uh, you, you know that uh, we, we had the thing that just happens uh, in the Gulfstream Park handicap where, where he dumped you at the gate. Thank God both you and him came out of that race sound. The Oakland handicap, though, that had to leave uh, you and Ian and everybody scratching their head when he ran fifth. Yeah, it did. I mean, the, the day we went down to Oakland, he uh, he just wasn't he wasn't the Fort Lauren that we all came to know and and everything else. He he just wasn't himself that day. I, I, I'm thinking the racetrack kind of took a lot out of him, and he just he didn't get over the racetrack that day. So on Saturday night, we needed we needed Fort Lauren of old to show back up, and he did. Well, he he sure did. Uh, I, I, if you haven't seen the race, make sure you go on one of the online programs where you can watch this race. Uh, it was just it was eye eye boggling. I mean, the the way that he just at every call seemed to get stronger and stronger. Now, did you realize that you were, you had already gone one ten and change when he was turning into the stretch and on top by over six lengths? No, I mean, the whole way around there, I knew we were going pretty fast because the poles were zipping by pretty fast. <laughs> when we got to the half-mile pole, I looked over to my right, and I seen a shadow, and I thought it was Take Charge Indy, but come to find out it was my own shadow, and he just he kept widening and kept opening up, and he showed uh, what a British Cup Classic champion can do. Uh, absolutely. Well, um I'm, I'm not sure that uh, you know Ian has made any statements as to as to where Fort Lauderdale is going next, but I'm, I'm guessing that uh, down the road a return to the Breeders' Cup Classic is probably your year-end goal. Yeah, of course. I mean, we got we got our win in your end race on Saturday night with the uh, Stephen Foster, so we got our trip made up for back to California in November. Well, all I can say is, you know, you've got a lot of people uh, rooting in your your corner there, Brian. And uh, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to call us here at Winning Ponies. Yeah, thank you again, John. Thanks for having me on. All right, take care. We'll be watching Fort Lauren throughout the rest of his season. But let me tell you, trainer Ian Wilkes really has him wound up right now. And I do tell you, go and make sure that, that you can uh, see this race. It was an awesome performance and a heady ride by Brian just letting them loose. Well, the other big horse that everybody was looking at last week, of course, was Animal Kingdom. Uh, you know, he had done so much uh, over his career, if you consider it. Uh, I mean, he had a slab fracture to his left hind hock. Uh, he won the Kentucky Derby. Uh, they kept him in training, and then he popped a splint uh, coming into a, a race at Gulfstream Park. Uh, and then uh, he was pointing towards the World Cup, and he suffered a stress fracture. But Graham Motion was given the time to, to work with him, and he won not only the Kentucky Derby, the most iconic race in the world, but the $10 million Dubai Cup, the richest race. Well, they tried to go out on a high note uh, at Royal Ascot on Tuesday, but uh, he just uh, came up flat. I mean, uh, John Velasquez went over to ride him, and he said uh, that, it, you know, it just kind of – when he asked him to go, he just didn't have it. And uh, Graham Motion uh, shouldn't feel bad, even though he said it's it's taken the wind out of his sails. Uh, but, you know, the, he's just so proud to be able to be associated with a, uh, a horse like Animal Kingdom. Of course, uh, Animal Kingdom now, he's going to go to stud in Australia. Uh, he'll return to Kentucky, luckily, uh, for the Northern Hemisphere breeding season. And uh, quite a, a versatile horse, a real throwback. He won on dirt, synthetic, turf. 
And as long as he was healthy, he did not duck a challenge. Well, there to watch him at Ascot was none other than Queen Elizabeth II, uh, sharing her carriage with Prince Charles and Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall. But uh, all I can say is uh, the Queen came back for the races today, and happy she did. Uh, At Royal Ascot, she got a birthday present fit for a queen this race. The Gold Cup has been run for 207 years, and it has never been won by a reigning monarch. Well, you can't say that anymore. Queen Elizabeth II estimate her horse led in the final furlong and turned back a strong challenge to just win this two-and-a-half-mile race. Now, she has won other races uh, at Ascot, but uh, ne- never, never the the, the cup. Um, uh, she, it was uh, just an, an amazing, strong race, and uh, to think that uh, estimate was bred in Ireland by the Aga Khan and was presented to Queen Elizabeth on her 80th birthday. The Bay Philly is out of the stakes-winning Darshan Mare Abiza, who's a half sister to five stakes winners including 1999 Gold Cup winner. So think about that. There's Gold Cup blood in this horse. So uh, uh, that was awful big news at Ascot. And also some big news for us in the U.S. Uh, while Animal Kingdom get, didn't get the job done, uh, a baby uh, by the name of No Nay Never overcome a troubled start and flew down the center of the track to catch the favorite coach house. Uh, setting a track record of 58.80, the fastest five furlongs ever run for a juvenile at Ascot. And uh, this horse, no surprise, trained by Wesley Ward. You may remember a couple years ago uh, he had been successful with two-year-olds at Royal Ascot. He was the first American-based trainer to do so. And uh, he won uh, the uh, with uh, Strike the Tiger, won the Windsor Castle Stakes at odds of 33-1, to 1, and he won the Queen Mary Stakes with Jealous again. So uh, hats off to Wes Ward winning the big two-year-old Norfolk race over at Royal Ascot. Uh, another kind of uh, moving uh, thing, some good news in the, uh, the racing world, is after returning from a near-death experience last year, Painter absolutely demolished an allowance field uh, June 14th at Hollywood Park. He looked fantastic warming up. He came back. He was he was the the odds-on choice, but you know we can't forget what this this horse has done. Uh, you know he was sidelined after he won the Haskell when he spiked a fever. He had uh, he, he had colic, and then at one point while he was being treated for uh, colitis. Uh, he looked like he was coming up lame, and all of his feet were treated for laminitis. And for him to come back in a in a phenomenal fashion uh, is, is just amazing. So it'll be very interesting to watch the comeback of Painter, a very a very heroic horse, and a guy that's uh, a Hall of Fame jockey that uh, was over at Royal Air Scott was John Velasquez. Uh, but before he did that, he. Uh, reached his 5,000th career victory in North America. That was back on on the 14th, going three for three at Belmont Park. Uh, Johnny V, again, in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, he won the the, uh, uh, 2007 Belmont Stakes. Uh, Of course, he won the Derby on Animal Kingdom. Uh, Just a fantastic guy, a class act, and now he's at the 5,000 Plateau. 
Uh, over on the other coast, Russell Bays won his 45th riding title at Golden Gate Fields. What a feat. He won 172 races during the track's 101-day meet. Uh, so congratulations uh, to Russell Bays. He certainly owns that track. Uh, let's take a, uh, another uh, tip of the hat to Ron Ardron, who's been uh, inducted into the Louisiana Hall of Fame. Uh, he's been around for over 5,000. He's had 5,226 career wins in a 30-year stint as a jockey. So congratulations to Ron Ardron. And uh, the uh, the winner over uh, Animal Kingdom was a son of Warfront, and it's been announced that Zenyatta is in full to Warfront. So it looks like uh, they made a pretty good breeding decision there. Of course, this is her third, this will be her third foal. Uh, she had a colt by Bernardini and a colt by Tappet. So Zenyatta off and running in the broodmare shed as well as she was on the racetrack. So uh, let's take a quick look at the races that we handicapped last week, and then I want to get to Frank Lovato. All right, again, Fort Larned, we already let the cat out of the bag there. Uh, awesome ride by Brian Hernandez. Uh, he came home and paid $8.60. This is the Breeders' Cup Classic winner paying eight sixty in the Stephen Foster. Uh, second was uh, the uh, Travers dead heater last year, golden ticket. Kenny McPeak, hard to let him go at a price, 11 to 1. And up for third was Ron the Greek. Other races that we handicapped at Churchill Downs with John Asher uh, was the Fleur de Lis. This looked like it was going to be a walkover for Royal Delta. It was anything but. If there's a hotter jockey in America, tell me who he is, because I believe it's Joel Rosario. He went wire to wire on funny proposition. Uh, uh, just he dominated the whole race. Royal Delta was sat in third, sat in second, made a nice move, but moved in a little bit at the eighth pole and ended up just getting the second spot over She's All In. And then uh, probably one of the best races on the uh, nighttime card at Churchill Downs was the Matt Wynn. And John Asher, our handicapper, gave us that winner. It was Code West, slight favorite, stock second. He was headed in the lane. It was a great two-horse race with Uncaptured, considered one of the best horses uh, of his generation when he was a two-year-old, uh, undefeated at Churchill Downs. It was a great race, but nonetheless, it was Code West by a head over Uncaptured. And then uh, another horse picked by John Asher, Kitten Dumplin, got the job done in the regret, rallied from 10th and just blew by him, was the odds-on horse. Another Mike Maker-trained Kitten's Joy gets the job done. And second was the one Preala, and third was the five Oscar Party. Okay, that's a wrap-up of the races we looked at last week. Right now, I want to cut to break because I want to come back to uh, a guy who's led such an interesting life, and that's Frank Lovato. You're listening to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, I'm really excited about our next guest, and that is Frank Lovato, Jr. Uh, as you know, he's the, the, the son of uh, Frank Lovato, Sr., and he started writing himself at the young age of 16 and was good enough to bring home an Eclipse Award. Um, it's kind of interesting that sometimes uh, life gives you lemons, and here's a guy that, uh, that, that, that turned it into lemonade because uh, he had an unfortunate racing accident, and while he was off, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, and he all of a sudden came up with the idea of, well, if I'm going to get back in shape, what's the best way to do it? And I'm sure most listeners have seen or heard of an, an exerciser, uh, which is, a, you know, an imitation horse that gives you all the same feel and actions of a horse in helping anybody with rehab uh, on a lot of different levels. Um, uh, Frank uh, won over uh, 1,600 races. Uh, competed at major tracks, uh, New York, Illinois, Kentucky, Louisiana. Uh, what I thought, found was interesting, I'm trying to figure out how, we, how he did this, was he was the leading apprentice in four different states within one year, Ohio, Louisiana, New York, and New Jersey. I wouldn't want to have to have his gas bill. But, uh, again, uh, I could go on with his uh, uh, resume, but uh, – it's so long and it covers so many things. One thing I do at some point in time I want to touch on is uh, the fact that uh, he was the co-founder of a therapeutic riding program. And then we want to talk about jockeyworld.org and his uh, jockey camp. So enough of my yapping. Frank Lovato, Jr., how are you? Great, John. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, listen, Let's if I, if I can capsulize uh, your your riding career, uh, to the inventor of the equisizer. Uh, can you describe to, to us uh, br- briefly how one led to the other and, and, and how successful it's been? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I was, I was at the height of my career. I mean, of course, I broke into the game fast. 
um, it, it was it was a lot of hard work, but I mean that first year of my apprenticeship, I was able to accomplish the Eclipse Award, and then the following year was it was in amongst the probably as a journeyman, my first year in New York, I was within the top ten, and that's competing against riders such as Asinto Vasquez, Angel Cordero, um, George Velasquez, um, Dominic Bath. I mean the list it just goes on and on. <laughs> just go to the um, Hall of Fame; their names are all there. <laughs> they're they're all there. Yeah. So. Um, but in, unfortunately, in, in in my second year of riding as a journeyman, I had an unfortunate accident where I, I, I badly fractured leg, and I needed extensive rehab and go through the whole process. I mean, my career stopped to not, not a walk, but it stopped to almost like the end. <laughs> and uh, part of my rehab process um, was learning how to walk again, and, and there was a question that whether I was going to be able to ride again um, because I, I lost a lot of flexion in my knee and and. There, there were some some things that the, was questionable with the doctor that he he was concerned, and everything that they had me doing for rehab did not answer the question if I was going to be able to get in the jockey position again. So um, I was always a bit handy. Uh, I liked to to build things, and I, I built myself a horse. Um, very simple, but enough to get a saddle on and a pair of reins, and and I could get in, in position. In, in the beginning, John, I wasn't able to, uh, obviously, I was still on crutches. But, you know, imagine being able to ride a horse and still be on crutches is impossible. That's something a, a doctor would never allow a rider to even right. touch a horse. <laughs> but you're not going to get dumped off the one you made. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not going anywhere. So um, so it, it answered a lot of questions. It, it was a, an amazing tool for my, my own therapy. And um, not only for therapy, but my fitness level and then my technique. And the next thing you know, I came back stronger, better, um, except my clients. <laughs> that was <laughs> it, it is tough when you go away, but you ended up winning 111 stakes in your career. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty proud of that. I mean, I was actually one of those riders that um, I didn't ride a lot, of, a lot of the claiming races. I always had some nice allowance horses and rode for quality people and so uh, my percentage was was high as far as stakes races and, and high high level allowance races. Well, I, I just get such a positive vibe uh, off your 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 voice alone and 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 your attitude. And one thing that I noticed uh, on your resume, obviously, you you, you did eventually retire, and uh, that uh, you live now in the kind of north central part of Ohio, if my map making is correct, um, is that you co-founded a program called Stampede of Dreams, which is a therapeutic riding program. These programs are very close to my heart. Uh, tell us about that. I would love to. Um, my wife and I are very passionate about the therapeutic riding industry, and um, this is where we use horses for people with disabilities. Um, and and it could be all ages, but uh, our program, we're still in our, we're just heading into our fifth year now, but we're a nonprofit organization that offers uh, what we call equine-assistive learning, uh, adaptive riding. Um, it's, it's the sort of thing that, that they can come out, and it's basically a riding lesson for people with disabilities. And what it does is, um, besides the, the mental aspect of it, is it, it, it's great for their body. Uh, a horse it does a lot for the body as far as they mimic. Uh, for some people that may not be able to walk, um, that may be wheelchair-bound, they can ride a horse and... It actually stimulates the spine, cre- creates some, some juices going there in their bodies that, 
that really they benefit from, builds up core strength and confidence and um, it, just amazing things. But it all really this is. from the yeah. Equisizer. This all came from the Equisizer because uh, we had so many programs um, that were ordering them from, from us that uh, we were seeing the benefits and, and uh, basically the Equisizer is the, the, ball pin for, the bullpen for the riders. That is excellent. You know, uh, uh, on a personal level, I, I've, I've volunteered at therapeutic riding uh, programs uh, throughout my life, and um, we also would have an annual event at River Downs where they would perform. It was kind of like the class play. But the cool thing is, is I got the jockey. We were the first track to do it in North America. We'd get the jockeys to come out and work with these kids, and yeah. it was just so great. We'd dress them up in silks. We'd give them goggles. And, and I remember one kid said something to the effect of, yeah, my, 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 my brother's a pretty good Little League baseball player, but I can ride a horse. <laughs> I mean, what it did for the inside of this kid was awesome. Yeah, the stories are endless. And, and many programs, if anybody out there listening, you know, get involved. Reach out to these therapeutic riding programs in your community. See what they do. See the stories that are behind this. People that are in the, especially, you know, these children that are in wheelchairs that, that feel confined, um, this gives them freedom. It gives them confidence. Uh, it, it does things that, that many, many therapies never could do for them. So it's a great thing. It really is, and it, it, it's just one part of your, your vast resume. Well, you know, this is the time of year where people start thinking about what kind of camp they're going to send their kids to, and you have created a jockey camp. Can you tell me some of the details about this? And from what I understand, there's a session coming up at your place. I, I host an annual jockey camp. This will be the fifth, fifth year. Um, and what it basically is, I get a lot of kids that come to me that are looking for advice how to get started in horse racing. And one of the things our industry, uh, though it's an amazing industry and there's so many things out there for different types of people, there's nothing that really caters to our youth. Um, these are the youngsters that l- would like to get into uh, well, the horseman side of it. They want, they want to be jockeys. They want to be trainers, exercise riders. And um, so... I, I in the, and through the years I I'd had uh, in, on on the internet since the internet's been such a such an amazing tool um, I've had different groups online and and such and uh, we just keep taking it to the next level so one of the things was we had so many kids that were kind of like saying boy I wish I, I wish we could get together in in real life and work hands on and and so I said well you know what let's put together let's make some dates and we'll invite everybody and see who can come. And it was such a great success that we, we realized the potential of it, and it's something that every year that I, I produce. So I give all those kids throughout the year, and they're not just kids. I shouldn't say just kids because um, some of them are, are, are into their adult uh, lives, but um, we give them the opportunity to come learn about horse racing, spend three days, three solid days with me. Last year we had Julie Crone that, that came and assisted me. Um, three solid days of nothing but horse racing. All right, now listen, I'm going to give our listeners a heads up, and I want to remind everybody this is on podcast, so if you don't have a pen nearby, you can you can dial us back in starting tomorrow and hear this interview again. But uh, go to www.jockeyworld.org, spelled just like I said, a J-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-R-L-D.org, and you'll be able to see all the information that, that, that Frank just gave us uh, we know that uh, it's kind of a little close to camp time, uh, but uh, you're going to find out a lot about uh, Frank, a lot about his program, and uh, the fact that uh, 
you've got more than just uh, writing and teaching talents. Uh, I hear you're a bit of a musician. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the the, the, the dark secret. <laughs> yeah, a dark secret, but uh, you, you're you're raising money for a good cause. Yeah, and thank you for bringing that up. I don't want to run out of time, but you know, if anybody cares listening out there, you know, with my JockeyWorld.org organization um, and the Jockey Camp coming up, I'm doing. I'll I, I tell you, John, I'm a musician, and I often people locally here in my town will, will ask me to play their events for charities. You're that and, good. Um, and, I, and it's just like it's too bad I can't put this to use for my own organization. We've, we've got a lot of uh, people that would like to attend Jockey Camp, and it's not so much the expense of the camp. The camp is as, as cheap as possible, but the traveling expenses, and they're coming from all over the nation. Um, they're, they're, it's not a local event. It's uh, People are coming in from Texas. They're coming in from California, New Jersey, um, Canada. So um, we, we're, tr- we're trying to find a way to defer some of their expenses to make this possible. So I thought of, um, you see telephone telethons on television you see uh rock bands and concerts and things that'll they'll have a number you can call in and pledge and so i thought well i'm a musician i, I play for these other charities why don't i have my own and we we're going to host it on jockey world radio which is a radio show that we have um that we broadcast uh right now we're just broadcasting uh twice a month um but it's an also it's an educational radio um uh, program that we have and I thought I'd use that that service that I have, and I'll play guitar. People can call in, request a song. We got a song list online. They can access the song list and say, "Hey, I want to hear uh, Caroline in My Mind" by by James Taylor, and I'd like to pledge ten bucks. And I'll play the song for them live on the radio. So <laughs> it thought it'd be fun. Now, uh, so to get involved in this, would we go to uh, JockeyWorld.org, or is there a separate uh, site or Facebook page or Twitter account that we would go to to uh, get involved in this uh, musical donation? Well, we try to cover every base, but the, the easiest way is JockeyWorld.org. All the information is right there. Um, if you're a Facebooker, uh, we have an event. Uh, it's called Frankie Lovato's, um, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget it. I think it's Live Concert. Uh, I think it's called Frankie Lovato's Live Concert. But I'll post that. If anybody wants to find me on Facebook, you can, you can Frankie Lovato, L-O-V-A-T-O. Uh, tricky to spell my last name, but, um, <laughs> I but don't if think not, so. go to jockeyworld.org. We'll try to get, um, well, information's all over Facebook. So, uh, But the, the link to the radio show where it will stream is all there as well. So, well, uh, Frankie, I, I can't, I can't uh, thank you enough for, for, for coming on with us. Again, uh, your, your body of work, not only as a jockey and a rider, but as a human being, is, is, is just fantastic. Uh, i got a feeling uh, when your day's over, St. Peter's going to be the first guy you see because you're doing some <laughs> fantastic things. Uh, you've done so much to... Uh, to, to help racing, from what I see, I mean, we're releasing uh, DVDs and, you know, do, doing the radio show and uh, all the social networking you're doing. Uh, you're great for the game, and that's what racing needs is ambassadors like you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, well, I got a feeling, Frank, this isn't going to be the last time I'm going to call you. You've got all my contacts. If something's coming up up there in Norwalk, Ohio, that uh, you're behind, you give me a call, and I'll make sure it gets promoted on Winning Ponies. I appreciate that, John, and I'm also a fan of yours, uh, photography and all that you do. 
Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, that was that was Frank Lovato, Jr., ladies and gentlemen. Blessed to have him on the program. An outstanding individual. And again, I want to tell everybody, if you want to really get the details of what we just spoke about, www.jockeyworld.org. All right, well, it was great for Frankie to be on the show. Well, up next, it looks like we're going to be talking with Keeneland Dan Cronin. We're going to find out some of his handicapping techniques, and we're going to break down some of the top races this weekend. You're listening to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and we're back to the handicapping segment of the program, uh, perhaps one of the most important segments for uh, listeners and subscribers to uh, to Winning Ponies. You, li- you like to uh, go to the window, you like to get winners, and I think I've found a guy here that's going to help us cash a few bets over the weekend, nicknamed Keeneland Dan Cronin. Uh, he's got uh, quite a resume behind him as far as proof of his ability to, to, to pick winners. He's been known to pick them consistently. 
he does have a, a Twitter account that we're going to mention later in the program, so you can kind of uh, hook up with him. Uh, he can really lay claim to being a professional because he's had 25-plus years, which means he's a young man, obviously, uh, in horse racing, uh, handicapping, and knowledge. He does a lot of research uh, before he goes into his picks. Uh there were times where he has, and this is documented, where he has swept a card 14 times with his first pick selections, uh, winning the entire card on some big-name race days. He had the 2010 Breeders' Cup late pick four, the 2011 Breeders' Cup early pick four, and he nailed the 2012 Travers Day rolling pick three from the first through the 12th races. So that that's testimony to his ability to handicap. But uh, if you're anywhere from around the Cincinnati area, Cronin's a pretty well name in Cincinnati. Uh, Dan's father Hap, was a, a legendary basketball coach, and you might have heard about the, his brother. His, his name is Mick Cronin, and that's right. He's the head coach of the NCAA Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team. But basketball isn't the only thing in the Cronin's blood. They know a little bit about playing the horses. Dan Cronin, welcome to Winning Pony. Thanks for having me. Well, listen, Dan, you know, uh, give me uh, and our listeners a little bit of background of your uh, your introduction to racing, though I got a pretty good idea where it came from. Oh, yeah, you know, you've seen me down there probably one of the times chasing me out of the, the front of the grandstand in the clubhouse. We used to, when we were five, six years old, used to bring rubber balls with us and, and throw the rubber ball off the wall in between races because we'd get <laughs> bored as kids <laughs> in between, you know, walking up and betting our $2 to win at eight years old, you know. Um, but my dad was an usher. He started as an usher at, at River Downs and eventually moved to being a mutual clerk um, from the time we were born, you know, for years and years and years until he finally retired and went full-time with the Atlanta Braves. But, um, you know, I used to walk in and just be amazed at how many people would come up to him in 1975 and say, here, Hep, here's a dollar, mark my program. And, you know, I'm looking at him like, they're giving you money just to tell them who you like? <laughs> You know, in uh, my brother Bob did the same know. thing at Saratoga for many a year, so I, I, can, I can relate to that. And as a matter of fact, if I'm not wrong, uh, didn't you, your brother Coach Cronin actually work in the parking lot at River Downs at yes, one time? That, him and Ed Meyer became very close friends, and Donnie, um, that's how they started. Mick would, would uh, coach basketball, and then in the summer he would work the parking lot. And those three, of course, all thought they could handicap, so they'd you know bet the Run, run in with their parking lot money and bet and run back out and <laughs> so yeah he worked there for several years now i i know your brother played hoops i gotta ask you did you play hoops too oh yeah yeah i played at LaSalle and then i played college basketball at bethel college in tennessee and that was probably the hardest part about loving horses is being an hour north of memphis and having an hour and 40 minute drive to paducah to go to bluegrass downs was the only <laughs> place we could bet <laughs> for four years it was it was miserable <laughs> well uh obviously you know so, so many of us uh you know went to the track with our dads or an uncle or, or somebody when i asked so many people on the show how'd you get introduced to racing 90 percent of the time 
that's where it comes from. I know, I know, I went with with my father as as a young kid. Um, as, as as racing evolved, because I re, I know you remember the days when all we could get was two races from Arlington. Uh, oh yeah, as, as simulcast races, and that was a great big deal. Of course, I just loved to bet early fires on a speed horse in the last race. Made a lot of money off that angle. But uh, nonetheless, tell me how you your uh, ability to handicap has evolved. We all started certain levels, but then now. The, in the world of simulcasting, we're exposed to a lot more. Obviously, when you're not bouncing balls off the wall, you got a driver's license and you were able to drive to different racetracks. Uh, tell me about the evolution of your uh, handicapping. Well, I went through a period like a lot of people do in their 20s where, you know, I grew up in a middle-class family and I started working and I started making money that I've never seen before. And I didn't, frankly, know how to – I knew how to handicap, but I didn't know how to manage money. But I had a degree in accounting, and it really drove me crazy that I'd come home and I'd say, man, I bet all these winners today at all these different racetracks, and I look at my money, and I lost. And it drove me nuts for seven or eight, nine years to where I finally had to just sit down, sit back, and say, okay, enough's enough. There's no way that I can continue to pick winners and continue to lose money. There has to be a way to beat this. And basically what I've come up with over the last it's probably been seven years now, is I refuse to ever, ever, at, on any day, bet more than two racetracks. I don't know how people can sit there and, oh, there's a minute the post at Calder, let's run up and bet, a minute the post at Arlington, let's run and bet, all the river's running now, and then Churchill's running. You just can't win doing that. It's, it's no, just, no, it's my mother impossible. used to say, stick to your knitting. Yeah, you got it. You got to stick to it, even if you, you know. Oh man, I had a good day. Now Delmar's running. Why don't we stay, have a few beers, have dinner, and stay? You just can't do that. If yeah, you're, you're not you're familiar with the with the jockey and trainer combinations. Uh, right. You're not familiar, maybe, with a bias or a surface. Whereas exactly. I think if you stay with, with with the tracks that you you feel good about and you've had experience at, you got a leg up over those other guys in the room. I, I absolutely agree with that. So I, I pretty much stick to Belmont, Saratoga. Um, and then Keeneland, Churchill, and then if River Downs is running, you know, the normal meet, I'll go down there and I'll bet River Downs live and then maybe bet Churchill while I'm down there. But the other thing that I, that I was very strict on over the last few years is unless I'm prepared the day before, I'm not going. So if my buddy calls me at 11 o'clock and says, hey, our softball game guy can't come with me, I'm not going. You know, if I haven't read the racing form the day before and really prepared and watched replays on the formulator or, or any other sites that all give out the free, you know, replays nowadays, you know, I, I talk to different people all the time at the track and they got those little programs and I'll say, do you see the replay on this horse? And they look at me, you know, with four eyes, like, what do you mean? I'm thinking, and you're betting real money. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know I mean, anybody nice wins so many doing tracks that. now have a kiosk where you can go up and take a look at it. Right. And plus, Kenny McPeak. Uh, has his new program yes. out where you can get the thing right there on your phone. Absolute and pull up any replay. I still cannot understand why Churchill Downs will not allow that app. It, it makes no sense. It, I know it's only promoting their own sport. Exactly. It's so frustrating to me that that the horse racing industry is struggling because nobody wants to work together. Everybody wants to fight over well, you know, this one percent here, this one percent there. It's like, you know, why can't we all just work together? Yeah, let's look at the entire body of work and realize that if we get everybody interested in racing, when your meat, if you're putting out a quality product, is up and running, people are going to have interest because they've got information. Well, John, and that's what actually led me to my website. I mean, all these years I had been, you know, just in the background, you know, privately betting and, and not really promoting anything. And, 
And, you know, I finally got to the point where so many people were calling me and bothering me when they were going to Keeneland um, over the last four or five years where, you know, when Keeneland would run on a Wednesday, my buddy at work would get mad because our phone would ring here 30 times and 29 of them (laughs) were on, who do you like at Keeneland today? We're going on a bus trip. You know, so I finally said, you know what, I'm going to start helping people because I'm convinced the future of racing, you know, if people are not winning or having at least a chance to win, it can't succeed. You know, yeah, and exactly, and that's what say, we do well, what at, at Winning Ponies. Right, and it's exactly. You know, what am I successful betting for if I, keep, if I go down there every day and lose? Now. You know, I might as well go to the boat, you know. <laughs> well, listen, um, I'm coming shortly up on a break. Sure. So let, let's break down. I've got four races I want you to look at, and two of them are got so few horses in it shouldn't be too hard. Um but let's let's start. we're we're gonna we're gonna look at the, the let's look at the debutante okay. at Churchill Downs and I guess my my question here for you Dan is um, how do you approach two year old races particularly one where eleven of the horses are coming off wins and eight of them are coming off wins at different tracks well I think a lot of it you have to look at the quality of the owner the quality of the trainer and their past. Like a guy like Steve Asmussen has been known to have some big, big, big time horses. So his Phillies probably got a better chance of being a lot better than some of the other ones just because of that. Where We're talking a, guy, about a guy like Cecil here. Burrell, you know, he's a nice guy, he's a nice trainer, but he hasn't had a lot of really big time horses. So I'm thinking, looking at those two horses, even though the buyer number might be higher on More Than Beauty, that Teardrop's probably a better filly. Well, I must say, I was impressed with More Than Beauty, especially the fact that the word was out that the barn bet this horse first time out. Right. And the horse has been stabled at Churchill her whole life. She's a daughter of More Than Ready, and you know that they can get up and go, ask, take a look at Barrazano's pedigree. Oh, yeah. But again, you know, you got you got Teardrop, who's who's a great daughter of Tappet, and uh, he's con- considered one of the leading sires in North America, flat out. So I can definitely see your rationale here. Um, but boy, you got so many different factors uh, scratching your head about these horses that had huge debut races at different tracks, going as far back to Will Rogers Downs. Right, right. And then you got you know Fifty Shades of Gold. You know uh, Calhoun's been known to have some runners. And he's good with sprinters, but you know, he run in a Texas bred race, you know, win by ten. I know that obviously they love the horse. The word was out, you know, they're bringing the filly all the way up here to, you know, from Lone Star, you know, for a reason. Um, and and Lannery takes the mount. You know, he's not just going to take the mount on a bum. So you know, the, I think the races between the three we just mentioned, and and really the only knock I got against who the the favorite will be, Teardrop will probably be six to five. The only knock, and when you watch the replay. You know, a horse that gets left in the gate, runs sideways on the turn. Yes, she was good enough to overcome that against Maidens. And her head was way up in the air the whole stretch. If she runs like that again, she's not going to beat these other horses. She's going to have to run a lot more professional. Well, hopefully he's honed that, and certainly uh, Rosie Napravnik is in a zone right now. That's not going to hurt uh, teardrops chances, but the, it'll be a nice race. And for our listeners out there, it looks like there's going to be a lot of opportunities if you're going the, the superfecta or trifecta way to maybe get lucky with one of these horses underneath. We're, we're talking with uh, Keeneland Dan Cronin. We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to look at the uh, grade one Mother Goose, the Colonial Turf Cup, and the Hollywood Oaks, you're listening to Winning Ponies. 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And Keeneland Dan Cronin is with us tonight as our professional handicapper. Let's go to one of those short fields we were talking about. Uh, the, the Grade 1 Mother Goose, 300,000 at Belmont Park. The race is a mile and a 16th. Uh, this race has had an amazing history of great horses that came out of it. As we spoke off the air, surprised that uh, there aren't more uh, horses in this race for such a person and for grade one status. Uh, I don't know. Do you think dreaming of Julius scared everybody off? I think that is a lot of it. And I think there's just too many options for three-year-old fillies. I mean, when you look across the country, there's so many graded stakes for on the grass and on the dirt for three-year-old fillies that when they see a champion, you know, a monster like this, they just say, out of heck with this. Let's go somewhere else. Let's get black type somewhere else. Why run against her in her home their home court there, so they all just run away. Well, they do, but again, uh, I was there and saw her get hammered out of the gate uh, at the start, but obviously somebody with her talent, sometimes they they can overcome something like that, and I'm talking about the Kentucky Oaks, uh, did run uh, fourth, but was only beaten two and a half lengths in that race as the slight favorite. Of course, Fletcher's got her back at his home base. She's going to be dangerous. The, the horse that I see is the biggest threat to hers on the inside uh, marathon lady. Uh, she ran a bang-up race in the Black-Eyed Susan, going longer at a mile and eighth. She was on top by three, turning for home, and just got nailed at the wire by 50 shades of hay. Who you like underneath? Yeah, I, I think that's the obvious horse underneath. I think the most overrated filly in the country is Close Hatches. You know, that she'll probably be two and a half to one in here, and I don't think she has to be second. I mean, if if you put Dreaming and Julie on top, I think the logical horse is Marathon Lady because, you know, the five's going to lead probably till the middle of the turn, and then and then she'll give it up. And, and Toasting, you know, he'll she'll she'll run her normal race, you know, third, fourth, where she'll just be even all the way around. So to me, you know, when Close Hatches doesn't fire, which I don't, I just don't think Close Hatches wants dirt. I really think that filly needs to be on turf, and I don't know why they're waiting to put her on turf. 
but uh, I think she'll get hammered at the window, and I think the 2-1 exactor or 2-1 all try is probably the way to go. Well, it sure won't cost you much in a five-horse right. race. A race that is going to possibly give us a little more value. I'm going to take you to a different place now in, in uh, Colonial Downs. And uh, before we, we get to the, the Turf Cup, which is a grade two, 300,000 going to mile on a 16th, Dan, um, how do you uh, approach turf races? Well, turf races, as, as my dad will say, um, I just if the speed wins, it's going to beat me. I I can tell you in 25 years I might have bet on three horses that I thought were going to go to the lead in the turf race. Well, I might I just, be yard dog at River Downs. Yeah, exactly, yard dog, <laughs> rising profits. You know, since those days, I don't. You know, I, the 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 rank filly of Bobby Frankel's is probably the only horse I've ever taken in a big grass race. I think she was Intercontinental. I think was the name of her. Yes, yes, uh, yes. That's yes, probably the, the only horse I've ever up. taken in a big race on the turf that I thought would make the lead. <laughs> I just. I'm convinced in these big races that the speed usually gets over bet and it's normally closers unless it's just pouring down rain. So I'm always looking for somebody that's going to be finishing. Well, uh, two horses that have a very similar running style in that they can come off the pace uh, but have shown uh, you know, a, a bit of speed are, look, look like the two horses that will probably rise to the top in here, in my opinion, in Antigun and air support. If you look at their last couple of running lines, very, very similar. Right, and air support's just one of those horses that I have tried so many times, and I just cannot catch this horse. Every time I think I'm looking at the form, he just cannot lose. He's got to win today. He figures out a way to get beat and run a flat race, and so I'm not going to take air support. Now, Adigan, on the other hand, Kenny McPeak's a very good friend of our family's, and, and it's funny. I've been trying to beg Kenny to get golden ticket in the dirt mile for the Breeders' Cup now for six months. I keep telling him to run him a mile and an eighth at Indiana next and then turn him back in the Breeders' Cup mile. And then Adigan last year, I was joking with him to put in the marathon. I thought he had it turning for home. Um, but I think Adigan's really, really nice horse. I mean, I've watched this horse every start of his life. Um, I thought he should have won the Churchill race. I didn't like the ride, got him a little bit too far back, and let Dark Cove get too far in front in the stretch. And I don't think Lake Peru will let that happen. I think he knows that to put this horse about two lengths out of it, just let him jog on the outside and those big, long strides, will, I think he'll eat him up in the end and win. Well, and, and as you know, uh, Kenny, who's been on Winning Ponies, um, he's he's got a really sharp eye for horse flesh. I mean, hell, yes. he's the guy that picked Curlin out of the sale. Right. Um, and and here he he gets a horse by a thirty five hundred dollars stud Ishtan, p- paid only forty two thousand uh, dollars for this horse, and uh, has n- has now closing in on a half a million dollars. So yeah, he's a pretty sharp guy. Another sharp guy that. Uh, Cut his teeth back there at Little Old River Downs back when he won his first race as a trainer. And I think you hit the you hit the key. He's got such a good eye for for horse flesh, and he's so patient. He doesn't have to fire him as two year olds going five furlongs. I mean, he's going to take his time. I was in his barn for a whole week watching him train up at Saratoga last year, just watching him get on the different exercise riders, slow, early, fast, late. You know, every time they get off the track, hey, too fast, too fast. You know, and it is like the opposite of some of the other trainers. You know, they want him to go faster, faster, and and that's why his horses get better with time. And I think this horse is a four year old in the middle of his four year old year. Um, I mean, he he's going to be, I think, eventually he's going to be a grade one type grass horse. Um, well, listen, uh, I'm, I'm getting this under two minutes to post, as you've heard before. Okay. It might be down to one minute. So uh, 
the Hollywood Oaks, again, another very short five-horse field. Uh, I'm reading in the, 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 the papers that they like the uh, Ayatapa. I like doing hard time again. Yeah, uh, I think it comes down to those three first three horses doing hard time again and Sia Bella Luna and, and Ayatapa. And frankly, I, I like Ayatapa the best. Um, I'm not a huge John Sadler guy, but I think this, this filly wants two turns a little bit more than the other ones. Um, I think Bayerano's going to get bet a little bit. Um, I, I'm not sure who the – I guess Ayatapa will probably be the favorite. Right. Um, but, you know, I think if you take – take her over the other two I, I don't see how you can miss the exact I, the, I don't think the other fill, two fillies have any chance um, I'm curious to see what Bayerano does from the inside will he try to send this horse or will he sit back um, well, I both think, the horse for course Dan you know neither of them has been beat at Hollywood Park so one of them is going to be on Saturday uh, we're talking with Keeneland Dan Cronin our uh, handicapping guest and it's time for us to close out Winning Ponies. Dan, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, promise me you'll come back on the show again. Anytime, John, anytime. All right, all right. That was Keeneland Dan Cronin. I want to thank Frank Lovato, Jr. for being on with us. And, again, you know, I, I recommend that uh, you, you do go to his website and uh, uh, check out uh, jockeyworld.org. For uh, all my friends here and my favorite producer, D, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.